this morning we're going to go into a parable. And this is a parable that we have taught before, and um, we're going to take a look at it in a little different way. And so I really want to get into this, and um, let's just pray, because this is going to be... One, one thing about, about myself, if, if you're brand new here, um, most of my years of, of uh, ministry and speaking in, in different groups and whatnot, I've always wanted to find a style. People usually have a style of how they communicate and how they, they structure messages and, and uh, what they want to uh, bring across. I have never found one. And, uh, and as you know, you may not even hear it, but every time I come up and share something from the Word, it's a little bit different. Sometimes it's more in the didactic style, which is a teaching style. Other words, it's more narrative, metaphors and analogies and stories. And it's different all the time. I just kind of try to go how I feel and where the, the, the story of the Scriptures has taken me. And this is going to be another one that's going to be a little bit different style. Okay? So, uh, this is going to be filled with Metaphors, some analogies, and it's going to be really up to you to figure out what I'm trying to say. And the reason I'm doing this is because this is the way how Jesus taught, which I really don't like, because I want him to define things, and he doesn't always define things. And that's why sometimes we as churches are in the mess that we are, because we all have our opinions. So, anyways, I want to just open this up with prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will just give me the freedom and the rhythm of grace just to speak from my heart and the things that I've learned. Holy Spirit, would you just encompass every part of the being of each individual? Oh, that we could just be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. There's one thing that Jesus taught about when he taught a parable. When he went preaching into Galilee, there's only one message, one subject, and that was the kingdom of God. In the book of Matthew, it says the kingdom of heaven, but on the other gospels, it says the kingdom of God. They're both meaning the same thing. And it doesn't mean that you're going off to heaven. I mean, it can, but that's not what Jesus was focused on. He says the kingdom of, come, of God has come here. And so, if the kingdom of God is, is that which is present, that which is in our midst. And, and the, thing, the thing about Jesus is this. He never defines it. We're going to have a long discussion about that when I get to heaven because there's, there's just, you know, there's a lot of opinions. And when I get into this topic of the kingdom of God, I, I, I make a mistake of using mental gymnastics. And I'm not quite sure God wants us to go there. Because I think to define it 
It's too big to be defined. And where we come from in, in this, this phrase, the kingdom of God, we use a Bible dictionary and then we use the definitions and we say that's the kingdom of God, but I'm just as confused as before. And so I've been on a journey trying to figure out this kingdom of God and I can't figure it out because it's way too big. It's measureless. And so this is what I came across this last week and I love this. I'm not going to try to define it because the problem with trying to define the kingdom of God, now all of a sudden, I'm limping around because of my foot, okay? Just ignore that part. But um, where was I at on this? Okay, so this last week, I, 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 I said, I'm going to try to define it in my own way. And so I was Googling and searching. And the problem is, like I was saying, is that if we try to define things, what happens then, we tell you this is the definition, and then we institutionalize it, and it becomes a rule and a law. And so much what Jesus is teaching you can't define because it's something that you experience inside of your heart. But this, this is the definition here that I would love to, to share with you. And, and, and I went through a lot of different things, a lot of different areas, and, and I came across this random guy. And, and, and I thought, I don't even know who this guy is. So I wrote it down. I, I still don't know where I found it. But here it is, the kingdom of God is the presence of divine love that fills everything and in everything in which everything exists. Now you take that home because I can tear that apart and we could have a lesson. And it's awesome. And I began to think about different verses. Acts 17, 28. And that's why I love this. It says, for him... For in him we live and move and have our being. He's just not talking about you and I. He's talking about your neighbor. And then Colossians 1, 16 to 17. It says, for in him all things. What does that mean? You know what that means. It means the same thing in Greek and Hebrew. We're created. All things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Hold on. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then all of a sudden this definition. I don't even like to call it that because it's bigger than a definition. We're the all-presence of the divine love of God. Is in all things, which everything exists. And, and what he's saying here in Colossians is that Jesus holds all things together. If Jesus wasn't Jesus, you and I would evaporate. Just whoosh! Everything would be gone. All the trees would die. All the grass would just be like the winter of Park City and just die. And the mountains would crumble. There would be no life. 
Every single human being breathes and walks and laughs and has families and relationships. Every human being exists because Jesus is within and holding it all together. And I'll just stop there. Something to ponder on. And so, all of this, and he's the source of everything that you see in the universe and across the world, but the source of all of this comes from love. It's been established in love. And so I see the kingdom of God is the awareness of God's deep love within me and within everyone else. It's about living in the big picture of what I defined for you. It's the big picture of his all-embracing love. And we can't see it at times because you and I, especially me, we live inside of our small self-created kingdoms. My kingdom of being a Baptist. My kingdom of being a Methodist. My kingdom of being Protestant. My kingdom of being Catholic. My kingdom, and it goes on. And so we focus in that little man-created boundary called my kingdom, and thereby we cannot see the bigger picture of God and His purpose of creation. And who cares about my being, my kingdom being this or that? Because all of this is going to disappear. <laughs> it's all going to just pass away. But what is not going to pass away is the kingdom of God. What is not going to pass away is the all presence of his divine love that fills everything and in everything in which everything exists. That will not pass away. And that's bigger than my kingdom. It's bigger than your kingdom. And to live in this kingdom is to live in that big picture, that big perspective. And where you move beyond these tiny man-made boundaries that we all create and comfortably live inside, which is okay, but it's not enough. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about any of that. But it's not enough to see the kingdom of God. You need to keep pushing the boundaries to where you begin to see that God is everywhere. Hmm. Getting weird. But we're afraid to venture out of our comfort zone. Unless you get a glimpse of the measureless love of God. Unless you see that the all divine love fills everything and in everything in which everything exists. When there is that glimpse, then with gladness of your heart, 
you can venture and discover, for that is the treasure. It's the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I think this is what Jesus is teaching. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says this. Do we have that up there? Yes, we do. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it and he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. Now, many people, there, there's a lot of mental gymnastics going on with that word, hid. I don't think there needs to be. You can spend a lot of time with it. For me, it's just, I, I just think it's showing the great worth that this man has discovered in the treasure and the desire to possess it. Now, I'll just leave it with that. But inside of this little parable, where it talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, it's like, it's like, okay? It's like a, a treasure hidden in a field. There's an elaborate story that's within this one little verse. This one little parable. And sometimes the best way to see a story is for you to write a story. Sometimes the best way is when you write that story, now you go to another level and you write your own personal story. So, my children, we're going to have a story time. And we're going to be totally confused, maybe. <laughs> but it's like the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit of this story. There is a man named Bob. And he lived by himself. He really wasn't lonely. He'd never been married, and he was fine. He, pre he pre preferred to be by himself anyways, and he was a kind of guy that had more dogs than he had friends. And that was just okay for him. Now, Bob, he had an engine repair shop, and he really liked going bowling. So every Monday evening, he would go bowling, most often by himself, but he was okay with this because this is just the way Bob was. And later on, Bob decided he was going to buy a metal detector because this is something that he could do by himself. And so he would go to the parks and he would go to the beaches, but eventually he grew tired of going to the same old places. Now, to confuse you even more, I'm using a lot of metaphors and analogies that I'm not going to explain to you, so you can just figure things out on your own. But he grew tired of going to the same old places and finding the same old thing. Well, Bob was thinking, 
one day. And he, and he thought about this field that was west of, on, west of the town. And so he, he, he knew that this field had a cluster of old oak trees. And then among those old oak trees, there remains an old house that had burnt down some years ago. And so Bob thought, maybe I could find something more interesting there. And so the next day, he drives his Chevy pickup that he bought from Gordy, which is out there. You will love the sight of it. It's the Soar's Eye in Park City. But he drove this Chevy pickup to this new area. And then he parks the Chevy. And with his metal detector, he walks to the fence. And on the fence, there was this sign. And on this sign, there were some bold letters. No trespassing. Well, Bob looked both ways. Hmm. Nobody was around. Nobody was looking. Over the fence he went. He went into the midst of those old oak trees and the old house. And he couldn't find anything except a couple of pieces of coins or some coins. Mostly it was nails. And he was about to call it a day. But he walked away beyond the house. For he saw that there was another old oak tree that was beyond the house. And he said, hmm, before I leave, I'm going to go check out to see if I can find anything by this tree. There was some kind of an instinct, some kind of an intuition that was in him that said, go and search. And so he brought his fancy metal detector. And what happened was the metal detector went beep, 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 beep. I have no idea if that's the sound it makes. Okay. And so he took his spade, which he had in back of his backpack, and he started digging around. And, and it, all of a sudden, as he was digging, Wood, what is that? I'm going to go dig. So he starts digging some more. And he starts digging around, and he came upon this wooden box. And he began to dig around it, and he found a padlock on it. Hmm. And he saw that this box had been buried here for a long, long time. And the wood was beginning to decay. So it wasn't hard to open the box. And what was in the box? <laughs> I looked in. What was in there? Gold bars. Confederate gold bars. 
with the stamp of the Confederate States during the Civil War. And apparently they tried to hide it from the approaching Union Army. And somehow maybe they all got killed, but it was there. It's always been there. Each of the bar, the bars in that box weighed 50 pounds each. And there were 26 gold bars in that box worth millions. So Bob covers it back up. There'd be a lot of trouble if people found out about this. And back over the fence that he went. And he had to let it sink in. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't even breathe. He was so excited. In this find of the treasure. He says, how could, how could everybody miss it through all of these years? It's always been there, but everybody's missed it. I just so happened to stumble across this treasure. So the next day, as he pondered it, he went and found out who owned the land. And it was Mr. Jones who lived a mile down the road. And he came up to Mr. Jones and he says, Mr. Jones, I would like to buy the plot of land over here. Now, Mr. Jones was kind of freaked out because there was nothing really on that land. But he was insistent, and he says, Mr. Jones, I really want to buy it. And Mr. Jones asked, Bob, well, why do you want to buy it? Because I think it's going to be a great investment. Wink. Hmm. And so Mr. Jones thought about it, and he says, I'm going to sell you this land for $200,000. And Bob was saying, it's worth half of that, but I don't care. I found the treasure. So Bob began to sell everything that he had. His house was almost paid for, and he sold that. And he sold it with joy because he was living from the big picture, the treasure. He did it with gladness. It wasn't a problem. It was no big deal. He sold his Chevy pickup for crying out loud. And his lucky bowling ball. But he did it with joy and he did it with gladness because he was living from the big picture, the treasure that he discovered. And he sold his metal detector. People of the town began to see Bob selling all his possessions and they said, Bob has finally gone crazy. Because you see, they didn't see what was happening. They were looking from the outside, but Bob knew what was happening and it was wonderful, a beautiful thing for him. And it was not a problem. But for people looking on the outside, he was selling everything. It's like Bob perhaps had died. Well, he eventually 
was able to scrape together $200,000 and went and bought the land. If I was to continue with the story, he moved to Park City and built this. That's up to you. You can finish the story. You can write your own. And what's interesting about this story is that Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. Now let's go to another level. With a personal story. Not your story, but my story. Because we're having a lesson here. We're having a teaching moment. We're having how to sometimes look at a parable where you write your, a story, just a story, and then you write your story. Not detail, not complex, just an idea, a personal story that is real to you. And then maybe that parable might come to life. Don't worry about being off base or whatever. It's a spiritual exercise. And none of you will do it, I know, but I'm just saying it because it sounds good. So here's the story, okay? The example. Here's the story. And I just gave you the story. Now let's go into the deeper level of the personal story. And it's my story. And the thing is, I'm still living in my story. All the ups and downs is my story. And it's an exciting story. And you have your story. In fact, you're one big story. That's crazy, isn't it? You are just one big story in the measureless love of God. Every one of you. Okay. I was in my 30s. Yes, they had cars back then. I was in my 30s and I began to question some of the things that I had been taught. Not everything, but some things. And so I wandered into fields I didn't belong in. At least that was said by those whom were in the familiar field of which I belonged to. And in a way, I was a trespasser that was wandering into other theological fields apart from what I was familiar with and what I had grew up in. And that familiar field became my borders, my boundaries, my belief. And I shall not cross into other people's fields of thought but to stay within. To stay in this familiar field of who was right, who was wrong, who was saved, who was not saved. That is the familiar field. And you shall not trespass into other people's fields. So in the certain circles that I ran with, they told me I was not to read certain theological authors, 
certain spiritual authors because they were not from my familiar field. And so being an obedient student that I was, I read the other fields. But I had to hide what I was reading from the familiar field. And the familiar field began to lose its appeal. It wasn't resonating. I had to find something because I questioned, is this what Jesus is really saying? And as I began to cross the fence, cross the line, trespass, I began to discover things that were resonating within me of how I saw life in God and society. And as the years would go by, my curiosity got the best of me and I climbed over a lot of fences looking for understanding in those other fields. Secretly, of course. I was trespassing in other fields of thought. My other fields of discovering a Jesus that was bigger than what I could ever imagine. The cross and the resurrection, bigger, with more meaning than I ever discovered before. The love of God, bigger, more embracing than I ever discovered before. It's been there all along, but I was never able to trespass into others' people, property of thinking. And I began to find some of these fields. They gave me a deeper and richer life Those who lived in these fields were just as rich and deep and deeper even though they did not believe what I believed in in my familiar field. Their understanding of Jesus and love was way bigger bigger than what I had at least been taught. And the kingdom of God itself was larger and it was out of bounds to what I've been taught. And these things began to resonate with me. And I began to find that treasure in other fields. Not in a small way, but in a big picture way. And I began to see that I've been living in a tiny kingdom. And the kingdom is bigger and huge. And I never saw that before. Until I began to climb over the fences and go into fields of which I did not belong. I began to see Jesus in a bigger way. I began to see others in a different way. And some of these places that I visited were ancient fields like the early church fathers. Some of them were the mystics trying to grab and understand and and crawl into their heart to see how they saw God. 
I read those which were from other fields, those who loved God, who loved the scriptures, but they had a different viewpoint from my familiar field. I had crossed the line. I had jumped the fence into trespassing on other people's property of thinking and belief. And I found treasures. Treasures. I never knew they were there. They've always been there in my heart. But I had to trespass in other fields. In order to discover the treasure of the cry of my heart. And I had to keep it secret. For there were those within the familiar field that would condemn me for trespassing. Or to try to stop me. And the things that I began to discover was blowing my mind. It blowing my mind. And so a joy and a gladness filled me. Not perfection. I'm still, still walking and trying to learn. But these other fields I began to see that really nobody has the answer. We just think we do. Especially if you're a professor, pastor. We don't know anything. The only thing that hopefully we can know is to love. That's about all I know. Really, that's, that's about the only truth I really, really know. And that's beyond me. Because love is the reason Jesus died and rose again. So why we're created. It's all about love. Isn't that crazy? So, I want to say this, that I love my familiar field of which I grew up in. Even with the legalism, even how they interpret Scripture, because in my familiar field, there was that way of interpreting Scripture and no other way would work. And in other fields, I began to see how they interpreted Scripture and how they saw Scripture. But I love them. I love them even though there's a dualism that I'm right and you're wrong. That's why I had to cover my treasure that I had found the bigness of the kingdom of God because I could not let anybody know where I found it. Because like I said, they would try to stop me and condemn me for trespassing. But I was so full of joy of discovering this and processing through this that I didn't want anybody to take this away. So secretly, this was my, my hidden heart that is filled, but I couldn't let it out. So I went and processed it. I hid it, went home. And eventually, through time, I began to see, how can I buy this? 
not buy it, but how can I make this my own? So I sold possessions out of the gladness of my heart. I began to sell in the process of time. It's just not one moment. It's a process of time. Out of the gladness and joy, I began to sell some of my old possessions so that I could make this new field my own. I sold some of those old thoughts that I had to be certain about everything and right about everything. I sold some of those things that were in the attitude of tribalism. Of you're wrong, I'm right. You're saved, you're not. I sold some of those theologies that used to be precious to me, but I sold them because I was stuck in those old theologies, and they didn't really even make sense when they were precious to me. Because I discovered a treasure, and I didn't want anybody to take it away from me. So I sold these things and in the process of selling them in order to make the treasure real and to make it my own. Slacking the story before this that everyone thought Bob had gone crazy for selling his stuff. But Bob had found a treasure that they didn't understand. They were looking from the inside. They said, Bob is going crazy. He's nuts. He's lost it. But he was actually living out of the big picture from the treasure. He didn't really care. <laughs> he, he was just overwhelmed with joy. And uh, I don't know about you, but it's not very crazy to buy a piece of property for 200000 when there's millions in it. I don't know anything about money or math, but that sounds pretty good to me. That's where Bob was. But I'm not speaking about the physical. I'm not speaking about the monetary. I'm giving a spiritual picture of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of which is the presence of the divine love that fills everything in everything in which everything exists. <laughs> it's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger than your little field. It's bigger than your theology. It's bigger than your doctrine. My lands. It's just downright bigger. And the beautiful thing about all this is that this experience of discovering the measureless love of God, it just keeps expanding. And your experience as you live from that, you don't have to know hardly anything. This is just the miracle of God. It just, your experience keeps expanding. It never ceases. It never is static. For when you have the Spirit of God and you're open to the measureless love of God, you're never static. You're never bored. It, it just keeps expanding and, and, and expanding. Now I feel like a little child. 
just crawling. And all everything that I shared with you. I'm not trying to be humble, trust me. I can't. I, 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 that probably is, I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm crawling in this. And I haven't gone to baby steps. But that doesn't even, let's not measure anything. It's just where I feel. Because, because what we're talking about, the kingdom of God, is bigger, it's, it's so huge and so big you can't even grasp it. The love that he has for you right now, whoever you are, it's bigger than what you will ever grasp. You, we can't contain it. Don't define it, because if you define it, that's not God's love, because it can't happen that way. And that's why I love the, the, the fact that um, the, the kingdom of God is, is His all-presence in His divine love that fills everything and in all things. And of which everything exists. Take that apart, and all of a sudden, you will become a radical. Because that's gnarly. That's gnarly stuff right there. But if you find it hard to grasp, like I find it hard to grasp, I told you I'm going to leave you in confusion, and I hope I do. Because it'll make us think. What was Gordy talking about? Hmm, there's a lot of metaphors he was using that he never talked to me about. There's some analogies. There's a lot of things that I was sharing with you that are hidden. But that's good. If some, some of this stuff is hard to grasp. I want to encourage you, could you just relax? <laughs> just relax. You don't try to figure things out too quickly. Just don't. Let it flow. And the reason I say let it flow is because there is a flowing river that is flowing through your life since you were in your mother's womb. And that's the Spirit of God. That is God. And He will give you those things that you need to receive when you're humble and you're searching. So relax. Let it, let it work on you. Take this parable home. Or not. A lot of great football games this afternoon. So I'd wait till tomorrow. That's my suggestion. And some of you may say, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. I'm gonna hold on to my views. I don't want to go into other fields. Then don't. Could you just hold on to your views? Relax. Just relax. God's got you. I love you. You may be totally against what I said this morning. I don't know how because it's kind of a lot of metaphors and stuff. So you really can't get mad at me. But let's say you are. It's okay. Just relax. 
All I'm saying is that this is my story and I gladly gave up some of those old paradigms because they kept me stuck and I'm the type of guy that's obedient and probably will do. Not probably, I did. I just go against. They told me not to go, I will go. I did a lot of trespassing. But in that trespassing, I found a lot of treasures. A lot of treasures that the familiar field that I lived in did not teach. The main thing here at Creekside is that we want you to explore. But mainly, it's about Jesus. Learning the ways of Jesus. Learning how he thought. Learning his way. And sometimes, you have to go to other fields, trespass, and you've got to do it sneakily to see how others think about Jesus. And Lord willing, you might find even more treasure I'm not saying you're not finding it now. I'm just saying, explore. Don't be afraid to go beyond your familiar field. And in closing, let me just say this, that some of you love theology. Theology is what? Theology is the study of God. Let me tell you a theology that I think my theology, and I think the theology at Creekside, is love. Make the theology love, and you will win. You will win. Instead of all the dualism that goes on, the dividing. And as I began to read Matthew 6.33 where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't you love this picture? The road. Trespassing. See, this is my field here, down here. See that river? It's kind of cold, but I had to swim across it and trespass into other territory. I had to do it sneaky, but I found treasure. Maybe you don't have to. I'm just telling my story. That's my parable. But in 633, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Now I begin to have a little bit richer, at least for me, a richer understanding of seek first the kingdom of God. Very interesting. There's more purpose. There's more meaning into that verse. And I'm beginning to get a little feel of what that verse may say. Maybe you can take home with this. Abby, could you do this and go to the first, um, the, that slide that gives the definition. Maybe you can take this home and write it. You can toss it, start a fire, whatever you want to do with it. But this, this was kind of cool for me. It kind of made a, a rich impression upon me. The presence of divine love that fills everything and in everything in which everything exists. Father, I thank you for this morning. And as we continue just to quiet our hearts in the space, we don't have to think about anything. Or we can maybe think about this parable and have no idea what Gordy just said. But I can end it with this, Lord, that the story that I shared and then my own personal story, using some metaphors and whatnot, I think you would be delighted to say, and this is like the kingdom of God.
It's too huge. It's too rich. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to quote you, Gordy. Um, you said right before the, the Bob part, sometimes to see the bigger story, you have to write a bigger story. So I want to do a little exercise. Are you guys game? <laughs> I promise you don't have to do too much. What you do, yeah, all right. Uh, what you do have to do is pull out a piece of paper if you have one, like a notebook, or you can pull out your notes app on your phone. And uh, if you guys are willing to just close your eyes and just take a deep breath with me. And just try to kind of let your mind go blank. God speaks in the language of joy. Um, I think sometimes, a lot of times in life, there's no trespassing signs um, that keep us from following our joy. And... I said it at the beginning, but I think this morning, like, some of us just need to be given permission to follow our joy. <laughs> so I'm going to ask a few questions, and just when I ask them, if you guys, I just challenge you to um, write down on that note or your paper or in your journal just the first thing that comes to mind. And maybe it's garbage, and you'll know if it is. But maybe, maybe there's also something that needs to be unburied, a treasure that needs to be unburied in you. And sometimes we just got, we got to, you know, it's like instinctual. We have to get past head and move to heart and instinct. So keep your eyes closed. Take another deep breath. Is there something that is just so deep in your heart? You've just always loved it. You've just always dreamed about it. Just write that down. Maybe it's something that, um, like... It's the thing that you go to when everything else feels like, it's just like, what, I don't know what's happening. I'm just gonna unwind with this, or I just wanna spend time doing this or thinking about this. Maybe it's a, a practice, maybe it's a passion, maybe it's an art, maybe it's a mindset.
And I wonder if like there's more we could do with that. Like is there something more that you could be called to do with that passion? And that that joy that you that you have that gets buried in everyday life. have a quote here the three C's of life choices, chances and changes you must make a choice to take a chance or your life will never change is there something that you want like so bad you've always wanted to take a chance with but you just you've been afraid or it's been like not the right thing to do. There's a sign in your mind that says, no trespassing here. And then the next thing I want you to write down is, says who? Who says you can't go there? Who says you can't quit your job and start your own business? Who says you can't move to Africa? Who says you can't, (laughs) says who? But like ask yourself honestly, because sometimes, sometimes there's, there's a close cousin that is, I would, I would call it fear, I guess. Like we just want to run away from something or we want to like, you know, it's fear. And this isn't a fear question. This is a joy question. Like if, is there something that lights you up that you just, you haven't been able to pursue because something in your head says no trespassing. I don't know if this is resonating with anyone. Yeah, all right. (laughs) But I just think, um, you know, like, just, I think we need to listen more to joy, to our joy, and less to the no trespassing signs. Another thing you said, Gordy, somehow the treasure is there in that field on the other side of the no trespassing sign, it's always been there. That treasure has always been there. You're made with that. You're like called into that. Every single person in this room has something to bring to the table that nobody else can bring. Are you brave enough? Like, will you follow your joy and step into that? And there's seasons and there's different times for things. And I know, like, like, you know, you have to be able to, you know, survive in the world. But um, if, if the sacrifices you might have to make to follow your joy don't, you know, it's like Gordy was saying. Like, the, if, we, if, we're, if it feels like joy to make sacrifices for that passion, like, that's a treasure. That's a treasure. And it's kind of mellow vibe to end on. But I kind of want to just leave you guys with that. I just want to, um, if you're someone that needed permission to try something that's always been in you, that you haven't been allowed to try, 
think God is is saying, go, like you can go. <laughs> I, I think that's, may you guys find joy, like deep joy that you just can't like, you can't hold it in. You wanna tell everybody about it. You, you wanna just run after that thing until you can't run anymore. That kind of joy. Maybe it's a mindset, maybe it's a new paradigm. It's right on the other side of that no trespassing sign that's in your head. <laughs> Let's get past our heads. God speaks in the language of joy. So God, we just, um, just set us free, I think. Would you just help us be free from the opinions of others and the cultural um, just assumptions that are put over us and put on our lives. Um, will you just light, light up those sparks in these people and all of us? Whatever it is today, next week, God, you just keep blowing on these sparks and just, um, we just want to burst into fire like a, a beautiful flame of joy. And that's like, yeah, like when, when you're alive, it sets other people free to be alive. So that's all in there. But thank you, God, for this morning. Thanks for this space. Thanks for these beautiful people. Say this in your name. Amen.